we were just allowed to sort of like roam about what they actually call this like free range parenting or something now, which is, <laughs> free range parenting. which is just, I find this term really funny. Pure organic. <laughs> free range children. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Steam Powered Movies. I am your host, Mike. I'm here with our other host. Hello. Other host name is Dana Frederick. I am a <laughs> steampunk and a fantasy author. I'm an educator. I am a creator of so many things and doer of muchliness. Muchliness yes. is definitely a word. Mm-hmm. And um, Dana, I feel like too often we just launch right into things. I, I, I never ask, how are you doing today? How are you feeling today? Oh, uh, I'm I'm great. I was yeah. extremely productive today. Good. Up on time. Did a workout. Wrote many many words. Awesome. Organized. Good. Like, I was I was a machine today. Good. Oh, machine. I was a machine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a timely reference there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Ooh, uh, what? How subtle? How subtle am I? Very very subtle. Extremely subtle. The most subtle. Yeah yeah. You we're we're good at making subtle references here mm-hmm. on this podcast. How are you, Mike? I feel like I feel like I should reciprocate. Uh, now. Oh, I thank you for asking. I'm I'm doing okay. Um, been a little cold today. Yeah, we're you know, buried in snow. We're buried in snow by Tennessee standards. In, yes, by Tennessee standards. Uh, I mean, quite a lot of snow for Tennessee. You know, we've been a little, little cooped up and, and, and cold, but mm-hmm. you know, huddling together for warmth and I surviving. I want to go grocery shopping real bad. Yeah. For the yeah. record, I did not do that thing where I went grocery shopping like <laughs> right before. I was busy having my hair recolored by a friend here at the house and. But, I stayed away from the grocery store, so there. But you didn't buy all of the milk and bread? I did not buy three and loaves of bread and 12 gallons bread of milk. Bread and milk for milk sandwiches? No. <laughs> My favorite childhood <laughs> treat, <Yeah>. milk sandwiches. <laughs> uh, it wasn't a thing even in the 50s. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, they made everything into jello, but they didn't make milk sandwiches. And called those things salads, yeah. by the way. Uh, which is insane, but that is not the topic of We've our discussion. We've got, already gotten so <laughs> off. Oh my gosh. This is, this is this is not a sandwich podcast. This is a movie podcast. Indeed. Uh, it's called Steam it's Power Movies. It's also not a salad podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> never will be. Mm-hmm. Salad punk. <laughs> wow. That's, if I ever write a cookbook, that's what it's going to be called is salad punk. Okay. Well, now I have to hold you to that because it is on the record. Okay. Um, but this is Steam Powered Movies where we watch a steampunk film and then talk about it, except for when we don't, because uh, today we're doing something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. We are treading a little bit off of our, you know, our chosen path. Um, there are a finite number of steampunk films in the world. Uh, we don't want to run out of things to talk about. We also like other kinds of movies and um, want to be able to talk about them. Actually, there are a finite number of all films in the world. There are only so many. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're right. On a long enough timeline, we will run out of films to talk about, period. However, we want to branch out a little bit. So we watched something that is not steampunk this time. Uh, how would you how would you characterize this film? We watched The Iron Giant. That's what we watched. Yeah. I, w- I actually, I would not characterize this film. I had to do a little bit of research to understand how to characterize this film. Okay. I mean, so, I was thinking, you know, it's branching out from steampunk and might be other kinds of punk films. Is this, is this diesel punk? Because it has Vin Diesel in it. Oh my gosh. I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> I did not see it coming. 
<laughs> I love it. I love what you brought to the podcast today. <laughs> but uh, no, funny enough, this is not Diesel Punk. I thought it was. Um, but again, I did research. In my and... mind, it is now. But go ahead. What, sure. How would you characterize this film in, okay. the, in the genre categorization uh, sort of um, you, you sense? Are, you are correct. There are numerous types of like punk genres. Mm hmm. It's it's a lot. I'm not going to try to go into all of them right now. For no. just this podcast, I will say this this falls under Adam Punk. Have we even said what the movie is yet? I said it's Iron Giant. Oh, did you? I yeah. missed that part. Okay. I'm definitely <laughs> listening. Yes. Good job listening. <laughs> anyway, so Iron Giant falls into Adam Punk, which is also known as Atomic Punk. And I'm just going to read you what Wikipedia says about this. And by the way, Wikipedia is a completely valid source of information i just i just want to stand wikipedia here for and a everything is correct i will say the the editors are under very strict guidelines no, you're it's right. serious they business are. anyway back to adam punk or atomic punk it okay. relates to the pre-digital period of 1945 to 1969 including mid-century modernism the atomic jet and space ages communism neo-soviet styling and early cold war espionage along with anti-communist and red scare paranoia in the united states underground cinema googie architecture i don't know what that is mm. sputnik and the space race comic books and superhero fiction and the rise of the american military industrial complex wow uh this kind of nails that then i know which by the way that is all just one sentence wow that is that is such a long sentence a lot of semicolons quite quite a sentence yeah so this is good yeah this this movie is giving me like vibes like october sky um you know, like the Rocketeer. Oh yeah, yeah, that kind of yeah. Those are the movies that I grew up Although, on. Although, wasn't the Rocketeer set in like 1905 or something? It, I don't think. Maybe uh, ask someone who knows. I don't know. Well, it is on our list. One day we'll do that movie. Yeah. So probably. anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I didn't realize that that was the definition i actually didn't even know quite what the term was and then when i found this i was like oh yeah no totally 100 percent, cool yeah glad glad we have a, a word for this yeah yeah and and i guess similar to steampunk it's sort of from that era extrapolating uh things that could exist based on atomic technology yeah right? it describes a retro futuristic vision of the world yeah yeah so yeah so steampunk being victorian era sci-fi this is mm -hmm. just you know, uh, mid-century sci-fi American-based kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, I did look up Diesel Punk before this. And boy, howdy, is there a lot of, shall we say, conversation about where Diesel Punk is as compared to Steampunk. Scott Westerfield has like a whole long, like, quote on this and why his books are steampunk and not diesel punk and da, 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 all this kind of stuff well it it's a lot but well, anyway, scott westerfield writes good books nerd oh uh, yeah okay <laughs> well i say he writes good books i didn't like the end of the ugly series but we, i digress okay yeah and spoilers for endings of things uh speaking of which we will spoil this movie which again to recap we watched the iron giant it came out in 1999 uh directed by brad bird featuring vin diesel uh, also, Harry Connick Jr. and Jennifer Aniston on on voices. Uh, we watched specifically the signature edition mm -hmm. that was a re-release of the film in 2015. There were a couple scenes added. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole film was remastered. The sound was redone. Um, yeah, 
and uh, Brad Bird of other films. Uh, he was really involved in Pixar. He did The Incredibles. Oh, yeah. He's been on like the creative directing team for a long time. Yeah, he did a bunch a, of movies. Yeah, like a lot of Pixar stuff. This particular one was Warner Brothers Animation. Um, he did Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, which is your favorite Mission Impossible movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the one I like. Yeah. I don't like any of no, the others. No, sorry. Ghost Protocol. Is it? That's the oh, one. Sure. Yeah. I, whatever you say. I don't know the names. I just know the one that Brad Bird directed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one that's in Dubai with the, the Burj Khalifa oh, and yeah. the Sandstorm. Yeah. yeah. And all the stuff goes wrong. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I like it. I know, right? <laughs> He's really good at that kind of thing. Yeah. No, Brad Bird is one of the only directors that I'm like, yeah, that person. I mm -hmm. like their stuff very specifically. I don't really have any other movie director types like that. Yeah. Like I have auto read authors. Beyond him, I don't really have any like auto watch directors. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so quick question on the top. Mm -hmm. We watched... Again, I said the signature edition. Yeah. There are two additional scenes yeah. in this version compared to the theatrical release. You said before we watched it, you would know what they are. Yeah. And which, I did. Okay. What are they? Okay. So the first one is so, so tiny. So there's the scene where Dean is sitting at the counter in the diner mm -hmm. and the sea captain guy comes up to him and is like, oh, hey, I have something to show you. And then they go outside and they have a little bit of a chat with uh some old guy who's like selling a tractor that has a bite taken out of it mm -hmm. and then you know they have a whole conversation about like oh thanks for standing up to me blah, blah, blah. so basically that little bit of a scene was added in the original it was basically just like him sort of at the tail end of that scene where he's like taking the car like we i don't even think like we saw that guy who was like that's why i'm selling it because there's a bite taken out of it i don't right. even think he was in there at all in the original and the second one, the dream sequence with the Iron Giant, where he, after he's seen the deer killed with a gun, he starts to like kind of remember right. and dream about it and is sort of radio signaling what he's dreaming to the television. And Dean like wakes up and sees it. Mm -hmm. That scene was also not in the original. Okay. Yeah. There was actually one little reference in one of the additional scenes that is a Brad Bird Easter egg sort of. Oh? That there's a scene on the TV that says something about Tomorrowland. Oh, really? Which is the title of, of another, another film, film he did. that yeah. he did. Yeah. Which actually, that one I haven't seen. I ought to. Yeah. It's uh, it's live action. It's got George Clooney. It's all right. It's kind of interesting. You I might would, like it. Because I do really like his work specifically, I think I do need to watch it. We'll make a date. Okay. We'll have tacos or something. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I do. I feel like this is a good point for me to ask you what your background is with this film, because I actually like, I know what my background is, but I actually don't know how you feel about this film just coming into it. First of all, I really like this movie. Yeah. Uh, so I think that it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think I saw it when it came out. I may have seen it in the theaters actually. Did we see it Did together? Did we see it together? Okay. I was actually having the same so, thought. <laughs> what tell, you said it came out in 99. Yeah. 99. So, that was like, we were in high school. Yep. Friends, we go way back. Mike and I were friends <laughs> all the way back in high school. Yes. We didn't start dating until college. It's a whole story. Ask us sometime if you ever meet us out and about. Anyway, because I yeah. remember one of the kids that we hung out with in youth group mm -hmm. was really into this film as well. Yeah, I think that's and right. And he, he worked at the movie theater. Movie theater. 
Yes. So I wonder if we all saw this together or something. I, I can't remember. Think maybe we did and we didn't pay for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think he got us in for free. Yeah. Yeah. I think we had hook up at the theater. Wow. It's so long ago. I don't really remember. But I I, I definitely remember having seen it around the time it came out. Uh-huh. And I remember always thinking after I saw it, like, wow, like for an animated film, that's like really good. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a didn't feel like a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't. It it does though. It does a couple of like well, little signifiers sort of. for a children's movie. But I think I think I see what you're getting at there because it's doesn't it doesn't speak down to children. Mm-hmm. Like they're all gonna die by atomic bomb. Spoilers for the film if y'all haven't seen it. Right. But yeah, like you know, they had the whole scene in the beginning in school where like, you know, duck and cover, like save yourself because bombs are going to fall on our heads. I laughed at because I don't know if I realized that before, but like that scene is played for comedy. Yeah. It's like, ha ha ha, duck and cover. Duck it's really going to work. And like they... there's like a little song. There's like a groundhog, <laughs> little mascot, like Smokey the Bear. Yeah. And even at the very end of the film. Ducky like, the groundhog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah and even at the end someone's like when the the missile gets launched people are like oh we should duck and cover and the adults are like yeah that was never gonna work yeah that was that was that not was to a make thing. you feel better yeah and to sugarcoat your childhood but even in the beginning the kids are like not even paying attention they're like yeah whatever uh-huh but yeah uh the it does sort of feel to me like some 80s kind of movies where the kids are just left to roam on their own you know the parents are barely around at least for like the beginning part of it okay i don't know about your childhood mike frederick okay but this is very much the life of a latchkey kid i was a latchkey kid yeah yeah i was a, a bit too for periods of time yeah i was always a latchkey kid from like age five oh wow so we were just allowed to sort of like roam about what they actually call this like free range parenting or something now, which is, <laughs> free range parent. which is just, I find this term really funny. <laughs> Pure organic. <laughs> free range children. <laughs> but no. Fed only the finest Twinkies with extra whipped cream. Right. Them. Yeah. Squeezing yeah. it in there. Just really that make was- it. That was the the epitome of like, okay, this kid is on his own. Yeah, no, but I mean, that was that was us. Like, I had a key from age five and we had to let ourselves in from like age like nine or ten. We had to start making dinner for the family. Like, this is the life of a latchkey kid. Mm-hmm. This is very accurate. I feel like Brad Bird also might have been a latchkey kid. Yeah, <laughs> maybe his kids were because he's busy. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage him at all. I mean... I don't, I, this is so weird. It wasn't until I was in my thirties that I realized that latchkey kid is kind of like looked down on. Like it's kind of like, like a negative term. I think I introduced you to the term. You did. And I was shocked. You're like, wait, what's that? Oh, that was me. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like our parents worked like they Mm -hmm. did what they had to do. We did what we had to do. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like sometimes (laughs) parents have to work. And you can't afford to not. And therefore your kids just, you hope they don't kill themselves while you're gone. (laughs) We did get up to a lot of stuff, including getting on the roof. My mom doesn't listen to this podcast. It's fine. Wow. Yeah. No, we definitely climbed on the roof. Of your house? Yeah. Of the house. Oh, wow. Yeah. You like went out the back door and then there was like a little, um, there was the porch and then like a little like stair 
that went down from the porch and you climbed up on the railing of the stair and then up on top of the porch door and then onto the roof. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Do not try this at home, children. This is not <laughs> advised at all. We were made terrible decisions as children in case there are any small ones listening. See, I waited till college to go climbing on roofs I wasn't supposed to be on. Well, that way your parents can't be done for child endangerment. Yeah. Yeah. So then I could be tried as an adult for trespassing there and you all go. that stuff. Yeah. 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 Very, but no, very like, good. I I didn't realize this was kind of like a negative term. So and I forgot I forgot why we were talking about. That. Oh, right. Because you were like talking about like not disparaging Brad Bird. Which <laughs> I was like, I just I just don't think it's disparaging someone to like have to work to support their family. No, no, I agree. I, I, I agree. So, um, yeah. Anyway, back to the film. He's a latchkey kid. A thousand percent. I support it. Right. I love him. You're asking about my history with the film. Oh, yeah. I remember this as one of the first films probably to make me like kind of tear up at the end of it. Oh, really? One yeah. of the first? Yeah. Okay. I mean, like maybe. I assume you're as, not counting. A, not counting like when I was a small child and scared by Labyrinth or whatever. Oh, like, no. I was saying not counting literally every time that you've seen The NeverEnding Story and Atreyu is lost in the Swamp of Sadness. Uh, okay. I was also a child then, so I'm not counting when oh, I was sorry, a child. Oh, sorry, not Atreyu, Artax. Yes. Uh, not counting that. No, not counting that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, so it made you cheer up. You got emotional. You had yeah. some feels. Yeah, I had some feels about it because, mm -hmm. I don't know, it just does a really good job of, you know, telling the the story of that connection and friendship and of the giant, like, connecting with his own, like, desires and feelings despite what he was made for mm -hmm. you know uh and i felt in myself like as the end of the film was coming up i was bracing myself i was like all right here comes oh, <laughs> here comes the I, emotional part i definitely teared up a little bit too although i remembered the line wrong i was thinking that the line when he was flying up to meet the bomb that he said souls don't die Souls don't die is the line that gets me too. That's a it's such a good line, but he did say Superman. Yeah, which is a little cooler. But I don't know. Yeah, I was I was thinking souls don't die in my head, and that was what was making me mm -hmm. like almost tear up this yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you, I I love this film. So I think that actually doing this podcast has given me a greater appreciation of films and what they give to us. Okay, because the more films that we have watched, the more I've sort of seen myself kind of like looking back as like mm. a younger child who like doesn't really understand why she gravitates towards the things she gravitates towards and now as an adult where like I have more experience and I can articulate these things better I'm like oh there were like little silent signals in certain films that really resonated with me because of like all of the stuff like I dealt with like as a child and as like a growing female in the world and all of the stuff that comes with that mm -hmm. and all that that implies. Um, right. And this film is yet another one where like toxic masculinity gets like laughed at in the face. Mm -hmm. You know, Hogarth is like, you have him doing arts and crafts and Dean who's like a super cool guy, like just really chill is like, you got a problem with arts and crafts. <laughs> like just like, kind of like looks at toxic toxic masculinity and is like this is bs we're right. not gonna do this yeah the, so. the bad guy's name is mansley i wrote that down too <laughs> kent mansley <laughs> oh my gosh i love that so much i don't feel like that was an accident no and one of the other characters <laughs> actually i think it was 
the guy who uh, when his car got bitten in half, he yeah, went to Mansley. grab the yeah, Mansley's car got bitten in half. He went and grabbed the old guy and was like, "Look, it got and the and then the car was gone. Mm-hmm. That old guy called him Manly. That was I definitely heard that. Someone oh. called him Manly. I wonder if Mr. that Manly. was like a line slip and nobody caught it or nobody did anything could about be, it. Could be, but if it was on purpose, I think it's great too. Oh yeah, no, it could be a little bit like um, do you know in Fifth Element where the priest guy goes to Corbin Dallas's door mm-hmm. and he says, Mr. Willis and Bruce Willis goes, it's Dallas. Oh yeah. <laughs> and they kept it in. <laughs> that is pretty great. So I wonder if it's something like that. Maybe. Um, but anyway, we were, we were talking a little bit about like the little silent signals for like kids and stuff. Sure. So in like the first five minutes of meeting Kent Mansley, right. just, I wrote it in all caps. I can't say it <laughs> in any other way. Okay, in the first five minutes that we meet him, he makes a fat joke and an elitist joke. And that's just like a really subtle signal of like, this is not a good guy without coming right out and saying, this is not a good guy. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this film does a really good job of sending those silent signals and trusting that like even children will pick up on this. Another one I mean, it by that point in the movie, it's obvious that mm-hmm. he's like not a great guy or someone to look up look up to. But there's that montage sequence where Mansley is uh, basically harassing Hogarth, trying to follow him everywhere, uh-huh. and he keeps referring to him as different like talk down to nicknames like Champ, Slugger, Sport, Chief, <laughs> like every one of those Buckaroo? names, right? Which I don't know. <laughs> That's maybe more of a little boy thing that like little boys get that. Uh-huh. They get those names thrown at them and it's always an adult like talking down to you. Well, you also you remember on multiple occasions, like in the very beginning, actually, when he like comes back to the door, he's like, it's Hogarth. Like he's trying to get this dude to get like call him by his freaking name. Mm-hmm. And clearly Mansley is not doing it. Mansley just the name it's so good <laughs> it's i love ridiculous. it so much there honestly there's so much i love about this film that's probably readily apparent but i just i love it so much there's it, so many things i love about it it is it is really great so just and there are so many little details too okay for instance did you notice remember how marty in the last podcast for back to the future 3 mm-hmm. had little adams on his shirt yep hogarth had the same thing on his wallpaper and on his sweater when he's doing the best grace ever. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's just a, like a really cute, neat little like detail that I think is also like telling people, this is the vibe. Like this is the genre we're going for. Yeah. And I just like that. Um, kind of like the way that there are always gears on a steampunk novel. Cover. Oh, of course. No. And this movie is full of like little details and little mm-hmm. intentional nods and things like that. Um, like the town is called Rockwell in Maine. Yeah. Uh, based on the art of Ro- Norman Rockwell. Yeah. Yeah. And even so that opening shot, them. like where they're kind of panning across the landscape, it has a little bit of like a Rockwell look that oh, like yeah. everything is super picturesque and neat and tidy. That's yeah. Fully intentional, completely intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, this was also a movie that featured um well an animated movie featuring cgi somewhat on the front end 
in the early days oh, of that. Oh, right. It's done really well, though. You can't really notice. Yeah. So the main thing they used it for was for the Iron Giant himself. Mm-hmm. That he was done all in CGI. They had made some adjustments to try and like blend it with the hand-drawn animation. Uh-huh. Uh, I think some of the other like vehicles and machinery and stuff may have also been CGI things, uh-huh. but like all the ca- all the rest of the characters are all hand drawn, right? Traditional style, but the giant himself is CGI because they wanted it to be like super consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wouldn't be wavering; it would be very smooth in its movements and everything like that. Yeah, and it really it goes along really well, just making the giant stand out and having be imposing mm-hmm. in this, you know towering figure and if you know about brad bird's history he has a lot of experience in animation he kind of like came up in animation oh absolutely yeah and so like he also did ratatouille fun fact Mm -hmm. um and there so i really i really love how this film is animated i pay a lot of attention to that even though like i don't have a lot of experience like myself doing visual art like i i really like the details of things like this. I've also mm-hmm. always loved cartoons, like ever since I was a small child. So I feel like I've a, kind of absorbed a lot. Right. So like, for instance, um, you've experienced I, as an observer. Yeah. <laughs> but also like sort of passive education. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned when we watched Atlantis that I really like kind of extreme, like features on characters that kind of tell you about that character's personality or what have you. Mm-hmm. So for instance, the general who, by the way, was played by John Mahoney, who mm-hmm. also played the, um, the general admiral guy in army guy. hundred things. Well, no, in oh. a, well, yeah, he does have a very like, <laughs> he's a very like military voice, but anyway, right. no, he, he was in Atlantis. He was the baddie. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the, the military baddie guy in Atlantis. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So I like that we have seen him again. Yeah. I just, I just love, like his acting. Um, but anyway, so Man- Mansley's basically his head is shaped like a parsnip. That's what we're dealing with. <laughs> <Like a parsnip. laughs> nice. And like, I, I did take a, a drawing for animation class once. And one of the things we learned is that a lot of times, and this kind of has to do with like human psyche and stuff, but like certain shapes communicate specific things to humans. So like we don't like triangles because triangles are like the shapes of like knives and fangs and things that generally They're have a dangerous. history of hurting us. Yeah. Um triangles are angry. Triangles are angry. Angry triangles. And Mansley's head is basically a triangle. Mm-hmm. Um and then the general, John Mahoney's character, he was basically a square. And blocky <laughs> characters are uh generally like immovable. They're really stubborn and whatnot. And then round characters are friend shaped. Yeah. So, and like Hogarth was, had like roundness to him. Annie, his mom had roundness to him. Even mm-hmm. Dean has a little bit of roundness to him. Yeah. Yeah. Dean is cool. Dean, Dean is very cool. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I liked that one scene with Dean. They, they gave him enough time to sort of have some character development. Oh, for sure. Um, there's a night that Hogarth brings the giant over to Dean's place uh-huh. to eat all the junk. Yeah. Uh, cause the giant's hungry for metal. Yeah. Come back to that. Uh huh. And then the next morning, Dean wakes up and opens the door and he's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just that was a nice little moment of like the feeling of you wake up in the morning, remember something you decided or did last night. And you're like, oh, yeah, that thing. Right. And they they set it up so well, too, because like it was already late at night Mm -hmm. when Hogarth took the giant over there. 
And then he's up for a while with Hogarth while Hogarth is getting completely like jacked up on coffee. He's like, yeah, I'm hip. I drink espresso. And he's had like (laughs) six cups. (laughs) And so he's been up for a while. And then what is it? They're still hanging out for a while after that. And they're talking and Hogarth is like, he needs food and shelter. And he just like gets up, dumps his coffee and like leaves. And then says 37 minutes later, it is so late. And because we all know late night is the best time to make important decisions. Oh yeah. After you've had a lot of caffeine, after like you've had like some adrenaline happening. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect time for decision-making. Yeah. So no, that is extremely well done. I also, in the animation, I don't know if you noticed a lot of times there's not active shading on the characters themselves. It's like a whole extra level of difficulty. Mm-hmm. So you'll have shading on like the scenery and stuff. Cause you can kind of make a long piece of scenery and pan across it and like yeah. put your shading in there. And it's kind of static where he's like character shading to constantly be changing. That is really difficult. Yeah. But there were certain scenes where they used it to be really effective. Mostly when Mansley was like, you know, being a big man and menacing the child like in the like interrogation situation, mm-hmm. those really hard lines of light like across his face and like on the cheekbones, things like that to really kind of exaggerate all of those pointy bits basically on his face. Mm-hmm. And then when he was like watching Hogarth go to sleep and he like backs up like into the dark and you just see the shadow like grow across his body. Right. It was just done so effectively. Yeah. I, I just think Brad Bird has such a good eye for little details that make it all feel so tight. Even the, like the giant's jaw, his metal jaw, which is, we've seen it's not fixed throughout the the film. Mm-hmm. It like kind of goes up and down as he like smiles and stuff, but like it trembles when he thinks Hogarth is dead yeah, and he's losing it. Like, that's such an effective little moment where you just see that tremble. I just, oh gosh, I love it so much. Yeah, no, it's great. And this movie didn't do really well in the box office when it first came out, mm-hmm. apparently. I feel like it's a bit of a cult classic, though. I, I do, too. And I think that it's one of those that you talk to a lot of people our age. Uh-huh. And I think it has like 100% approval rating. Uh-huh. I have yet to talk to someone who's like, oh, yeah, whatever. I didn't care for that. I, I think it's something that most people appreciate at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. And in some other ways, I think it's really seeped in to the culture of like people our age. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those things, like you said, of sending those signals, but putting in those ideas of, you know, maybe this uh, toxic masculinity is not good. You know, maybe the the attitude of we didn't build it, blow it up is mm-hmm. the the best attitude to have. Well, I do feel like our generation has a very negative view of that military industrial complex that we currently have and yeah yeah i can i can see that for sure and i think the line the line in this movie to me that is like the message of the entire thing Mm -hmm. it's actually dean says the line Uh during that late night coffee conversation i believe is when it is he says you are who you choose to be yeah that to me is like the entire film yeah 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 no i I think that that quote like got into my brain as, as a teenager and just like set up house because that's Mm -hmm. sort of the philosophy I have carried throughout my life. Like if you don't like something about your life, make choices to change it. 
Yeah. Um, there is a quote from George Bernard Shaw, which I also love, which is, um, oh my gosh, it's, I'm going to forget it. I used to have it like written down, like on a college notebook or something, but it was something like the meaning of life is to like create your life or something like that. Basically saying like you again, like make your own choices to make the life that you want for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be so annoyed because I'm going to go look at that quote later. I'm going to have butchered it. But anyway, <laughs> oh, it's so annoying. I'm going to have to write it down again because memorization has never been my forte. Stuff will eventually seep out of my brain. But yeah. no, I, I like that so much. In fact, it actually also, I don't know, maybe TJ Klune also watched this film and really liked it because I'm actually currently reading his book in the lives of puppets. And it also has very strong vibes like this. In fact, it's kind of the recurring theme of the book. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, I, I, I think that the themes of this movie really uh, were pointed at and got in the brains of like our generation mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, uh, even, even some of the little things that are referenced. Uh, I, I was looking this up because near the beginning of the film, Hogarth says bad robot. Uh-huh. And I was like, is that where J.J. Abrams got the name for his production company? <gasps> oh, and I would love to know the answer to that. According to Wikipedia, uh-huh. it is not. Because mm-hmm. J.J. said in an interview that it came to him in a writer's room. I don't believe that. The uh, I went I went deep on this. <laughs> okay. Okay. This movie was released in the u.s in august of 1999 uh-huh jj abrams production company bad robot was founded in may of 1999 okay but he had he seen this previously it's possible because that's so close the movie would have basically been made by then oh it was definitely We're blowing this wide open <laughs> this is the conspiracy theory that i want to have in my life <laughs> it's funny though that that i mean obviously other people saw the same thing and were like wait is that where you got the name for it? I think it because is. Because it's already all over the internet that people I have think this it idea. Is. I'm going to stand on that. I literally just had this, <laughs> like, heard about this, and I think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, being a member of the Writers Guild, maybe he got screeners for Oscar season. Did. Maybe he saw it, and now he's never wanting to own up that he stole it. He says, oh, it came to me in a writer's meeting or whatever. Okay, first of all, chill. Because... You, you got an idea from watching a film, pr- according to the conspiracy theory that I now am a thousand percent in on. Right. That Same. you you heard Bad Robot as like a funny line in a movie. Mm-hmm. And you thought that's a fun name. That's not stealing. No one's going to be like, <laughs> moo, moo, like, or whatever about you. Like if, yeah. if that were the case. So chill. There's also, I heard another thing that reminded me of a, a, a current thing. There's a YouTuber that I follow who does videos about like financial scams, uh-huh. um, mainly in crypto. Uh-huh. And his oh, is that the guy you sent that one really long one that was like two hours uh, to me? Different one. Um, but this one is called Coffeezilla. Oh right. Which is said in this film. Yeah, this is like Coffeezilla because it's espresso. I would not be surprised if that actually came from this movie. That's totally legit. I that one I am standing by as well. Uh-huh. Um and coffee, if you're listening to this, uh prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that's not where it came from. Yep. Um prove it. Um so you were talking about the thing that stuck in your brain from this. The uh-huh. part of this movie that is me 
Oh, I got it. I, sorry. I just, I, I'm so sorry. I know I'm like talking over you, but the quote just came back to me from George Bernard Shaw. Oh my God. I'm sorry. It, just, it bothers me so much that I got it so wrong. <laughs> okay. Say so your thing will come back to me. The quote is, life isn't about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me get that out. Well, Please I, carry on. I found myself in this movie. Oh, so good. Okay, carry on. The scene where the Iron Giant breaks up the railroad tracks uh-huh. and then the train is coming and then Hogarth is frantically trying to get him to fix it. Oh, I have a note about that. And there is a deadline. Something <laughs> catastrophic is about to happen. People are yelling at him. He's like, hang on, hang on. I got to get the tracks to line up perfectly. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is me. I know. I saw, like I wrote down, you and the Iron Giant have the same predilection for precision. <laughs> yes. Hogarth's like, that's good enough. I'm like, no, 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 no. I got to get it just right. I got to get the things to line up. I am Hogarth. I was like banging a nail into a wall today. Like, this is fine. This is good. It's fine. I didn't measure anything. I didn't like level anything. I didn't line anything up. No, and I take an entire afternoon to put up one shelf. Yeah. 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 That, that's me in this movie so you're the iron giant and i'm hogarth perfect yeah <laughs> it makes total sense i love it so much I, so I'm, gonna... I'm superman and vin diesel okay i win that's, those are good yeah, yeah those are good good people to be that's fun <laughs> so i did a couple more things i want to say about the animation because again it's just so good yeah um again little details the iron giant when he was like walking away to cannonball into the lake mm-hmm. his whole body turned before his head turns so he gets like two or three steps where like his head is 180 degrees facing back and his body is still walking forward (laughs) it just is really funny there's so many really just like laugh out loud moments in this Mm -hmm. like when he cannonballs and dean like holds up the paper to protect himself (laughs) and the did you see the headline of the paper oh it was something i forget it says disaster scene as catastrophe looms (laughs) (laughs) of course it's just so good i kind of i wanted to freeze frame anytime there was a paper shown because i know that every headline and like little story blurb is a is an inside joke or something throughout because there are several scenes where you can see like a newspaper headline Mm -hmm. and they're all they're all timely and referential and all that stuff yeah it's good i know i I know i already mentioned the grace but like next time somebody asks me to say grace i'm gonna say that grace (laughs) The, the devil so we're doing bad things and stop satan <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love it so much that's the sort of comedy like i i lean into in my own writing like not too hard because then it becomes like kind of farcical but you know every like every once in a while you just have a very silly scene and then you pull it back yep and i feel like that's a trope the awkward prayer scene that's a good in a one. lot of comedies yeah i feel like this is one of the best done ones one because there is something else motivating you know the awkwardness and the random stuff and he's having to think on his feet uh-huh also it's not too long yeah they they get the jokes in uh-huh. and they get out mm-hmm. they don't belabor the point i okay it's just right so i wonder if this is a thing you experienced because his mom like asks him to say grace and he's just like uh, i don't want to is, and I feel like this is a thing that's like put on children where you're, you're nodding your head very emphatically. And it's fixing me with such a hard stare. Yeah. 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 Like we're like, oh, honey, will you say grace in front of God and everyone? Yeah. And then you're just like, ah, oh, okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I never really had to say grace growing up, but yeah, that has since become a thing for reasons that you know about that's too long to get into here mm-hmm. uh, in my own family. And like I said, I don't like it. So now I will, I will be delivering <laughs> Hogarth Hughes's grace. Oh my goodness. If you do that at the next family gathering. I, you, I want you to immediately just like give me money. Like in just right there, just like slap like $15 in my palm. Okay. Yeah. I will. Okay. If you do it. I'll hold you to it. Okay. The internet will keep you accountable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> internet people. Hold hold us accountable to this. That's right. This bet. We will. I owe Dana $15. If I do the Hogarth Hughes Grace <laughs> yeah. in front of my whole family. Yes. At a holiday. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited. It's going to be good. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, there was another quote I liked. Oh, a couple of the quotes I liked. Uh, one, you know, words, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that's that's how you word. That's how I write all my books. Words, blah blah blah, just words and blah blah blah. That that's what words are. Yeah. Um, and then Dean talking about his junkyard. You'd be surprised how many people want to steal junk. Once I turn it into art, I can't give it away. <laughs> <laughs> I felt for him. Uh huh. I felt for Dean right there. Yeah. You know. That's fair. Ah, uh, you know the life of the artist. It's, uh, that it's is very rough. much the artist struggle so tough man people are really impressed when you tell them oh i do thingy yeah when you want them to buy a thing whoo it changes tunes fast yeah yeah it is um i feel like we haven't talked a lot about the major theme of this movie i don't know how much we want to or if it's our place you know the whole like anti-war anti-gun uh, anti-violence we spent most of thing. our lives entrenched in a war in the middle east i do feel like we have room for having opinions on this well, yeah yeah no but like the whole thing about the iron giant um and this is like a well-known quote is that brad bird had the idea well what if a gun had a soul but it didn't want to be a gun yeah no i remember because on the blank check podcast they talked about this and i remember yeah. listening to that with you because his i believe sister was um victim murdered. of gun violence yeah, yeah a victim of gun violence and yeah that was basically the pitch of like what if a gun didn't want to be a gun mm-hmm. and i i think that is such a good just such a good thing as far as like ideas go because certainly there aren't enough of those yeah there aren't there aren't enough like you know hey guns are uh not great kind of films yeah and i think the smart thing about uh, tackling that idea with this movie is that showing uh, the perspective on that from a child's eyes mm-hmm. and then also from this robot who is childlike uh-huh. that they present, uh, you know, Hogarth even explains he's like a little kid. Yeah. Dean's like little. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, just that, you know, if you strip away all of our adult baggage uh-huh. and history and all that stuff, if you didn't know anything about the world, and then you learned about gun, the concept of gun kills, yeah. killing is bad. Uh-huh. Then why would you want to be a gun? Why would you want to use a gun? Well, also, they never say this in the film. This is a thousand percent something I have thought is the case based on context clues. Mm-hmm. Did you notice the picture of Hogarth's dad on his bedside table? No, I didn't this okay. time. So the there's there's a photo of his of what is presumably his dad. I'm ninety nine percent certain that it is his dad, and I feel very confident saying that. Probably, yeah. So his dad is getting into a plane, 
This is set in 1957, I believe. I wrote it down. Yeah, it's so this is the set, 50s. Yeah. yeah, so this is set in 1957. If he is let's say about 12 years old, he kind Mm -hmm. of came off as about 10 to me, but I can see him being like 12 or 13. Yeah. Then his dad very well might have fought in world war two and been killed there. Mm. Cause he also has like the, the helmet, the bomber jacket. That's what you're right. So I, like I said, they never say it in the film or anything like that, but I am fairly certain from the context clues that his dad was killed in world war, world war two. Yeah. And therefore also a victim of, I mean, gun violence on a much larger scale. Right. Yeah. You're right. I, I, I don't know if I put those pieces together, but yeah, it's all the context clues are there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do like the, the, the framing of it. It's not trying to make some sort of uh, detailed argument. It's like, look, if you never knew anything about this and you came at it brand new, uh-huh. like a child, this is, this is the way you would approach it. This is the conclusion you would draw. Gun, gun bad. I mean, you and I, uh, off off camera, off podcast, so to speak, had a conversation about this recently where if guns were introduced today as like a fresh new idea, they would be approached with so much more caution. Yeah. But it's just become such a normalized thing in our society and just hundreds of years of history and whatnot that like, oh, they're just a, a part of life and therefore we can't get rid of them when like mm, we could we could legislate a bit. We could legislate a lot and whatnot because, you know, we got we got. Not to, not to bring the mood down, but we got a lot <laughs> yeah. of problems. We got school shootings. We got a lot happening. We're like, you know what we could do? Yeah. Uh, policy and change. Yeah. That's what we could do. Yeah. Um, yep. Don't be a gun. I don't want to be a gun. Nope. Indeed. Uh, so this has been our politics corner. <laughs> Bringing the mood down. Getting real. Um, but somehow the movie touches on it without bringing the mood down too much and without... I don't think it's preaching. Down the de- no, it's not. I don't. I don't think it is either. Mm-hmm. It 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 puts the idea in there enough to let you know that it's there. Mm-hmm. Another way that this movie is just so well put together in all of its parts and pieces. Um, you can look at it from that angle. You can look at it from the angle of you know when people see something that's different and they freak out. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that's not bad. Maybe different is not bad. Well, that's and like preconceived notions. Um, might be like kind of a subtext theme for this movie. So Mansley had that whole speech about like who made the the metal machine man or whatever. Was it the what does he say? He says like the Russians, the Chinese. I don't care if it's the Canadians, but <laughs> we didn't make it and therefore blow it up. Blow it up. Yeah. And you know, that whole preconceived notion, foreign is bad. And then when they're in the trucks driving back and they look back and they see the giant standing in the town, he says, it's attacking. And it's literally just standing there. Right. It's not doing anything but just standing there. Yeah. Just like imprinting like what you want to be seeing, what you expect to see mm-hmm. onto thing. Yep. And then he is hoisted by his own petard when he calls in the airstrike on his location. Uh-huh. What an idiot. And to bring it back to steampunk, are you ready for this? Do it. The ship's name was the Nautilus. Ah, yes. As in the Nautilus from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? We did it! We, we brought it back to Steampunk! We made it a steam-powered movies podcast <laughs> episode, after all. <laughs> One last thing I want to talk about this film on, uh-huh. a, on a light note. Uh-huh. Okay, so this giant monster gets hungry for metal uh-huh. and eats metal. Yeah. And that's his fuel. How? Why? 
How? How do we break down food into fuel for our own bodies, Mike? So he, but like steel, like just eats steel and makes energy out of it. I mean, it could be different alloys give him different vitamins and minerals in the same way that different fruits and vegetables do that for us. Mm. I have no issue with this particular mechanic. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just wanted to, you know, you know, talk, talk some, some science fiction, yeah. you know, figure it out. Yeah. Okay. I mean, why do vampires drink blood? Blood has things in it that vampires need. Okay. Yeah. You know, we, trust me, we throw up if we drink blood. Cause when I had my wisdom teeth out and I was swallowing a lot of blood, I found out the hard way. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Cool. So metal, it's what Iron Giants crave. Yeah. <laughs> That's another like punk retro futuristic kind of movie that we could, if we wanted to get into. We could. You, you, could. you know that what movie we're talking about, right? Of course. I made the reference. Dana. Okay, good. I know what it is. <laughs> but do the listeners know or do they want to recommend it? If they want to, uh-huh. they can tweet at us. That's true. We're By the way, we're not going to be doing this like super often. This is still predominantly a steampunk movie podcast. But once in a while, we might venture in. Well, we will once in a while venture into other punk genres. Yeah. Yeah. Steampunk and steampunk adjacent. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to suggest something. Such mm-hmm. as the movie that I referenced earlier that I'm not naming, just to quiz you all. You also get points if you guess it. Yeah, get points. Uh, tweet at us, at Steam Powered Pod. Uh, we're also on Instagram and threads, at Steam Powered Movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to steampoweredmovies.com for more information. Uh, before we end the episode, though, we have to give this movie our ratings. Oh, that's right. Okay. We got to do the ratings. Okay. I uh, actually wasn't sure we were going to, but okay. I, I like that we're sticking with the format. Yeah, we got to do the ratings. Okay. Uh, people expect it. Uh-huh. You got to give the people what they want. Uh, we're not real film critics. We just have a couple microphones, uh, but we will rate this film first on how steampunk it wait can we do that (laughs) this is me in real time i mean and i don't know that we can say how adam punk is this because we're not really experts in the field like you're Mm. not even a steampunk expert i'm i'm the expert there but yeah you're you know you're familiar with it enough through me to be able to make that judgment i don't i think i think for this we could say how steampunk is it but i don't know that it's gonna mean anything (laughs) no you're right okay this is everyone in real time getting to hear the process of figuring out that we're not going to do the steampunk rating right we'll just rate it based on how much we enjoyed the film yeah so dana on a scale of one to five gears how much did you like watching the iron giant definitely definitely five i very rarely rewatch films and this is one that i have rewatched multiple times throughout my life same so much that we actually own this film and we don't really own a lot of movies no um well own a digital copy Uh, as long as apple will allow us to or they change their terms and blah 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 blow up or the the universe or whatever yeah anyway on a scale of one to five top hats i give it five out of five great Mm -hmm. movie excellent yeah Uh, would watch again probably will watch again would recommend to anyone to watch Uh good movie yeah yeah uh we like it Mm -hmm. and um if you like it let us know Mm -hmm. again at steam powered pod on twitter at steam powered movies on instagram and threads steampoweredmovies.com for uh detailed information about episodes and possibly future episode information uh thanks so much for listening to this special uh edition and tune in next time for another steampunk movie Woo!
yeah. All right. Thanks. Everybody have a good one. You are who you choose. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.